everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Double Date with Dateline. It's been a while. Double fun. Guess, guess who's back? We are back. We were just here. I sing it anytime anyone's back, ever. I should sing it every week because we're back every week. We were here two days ago. Everyone yeah, has just we, heard us two days ago. We had a day off. Except we didn't. I was still working. We were both still working. Just because you don't hear from us, we're still working. This is a new ID show that I found after so many hours of looking for ID shows, you guys. Like 17 hours. It's really, it's... The worst is when you spend three hours working on a recap only to say, I'm going to Google this and see if there's any extra info. And you find out that the show left out the most horrible things that you would never want to talk about on this comedy podcast and you're like that's three hours of my life and horrible images i'll never get out of my head thanks oh because they made it seem so fun good good fun times it was instead horrible times we have such a weird line of what we'll talk about what we won't talk about but i have a very strict line there's certain things i don't want to talk about i am very sorry because that is painful i've only done recaps and then realized how boring it is I've never <laughs> <done a> recap. <laughs> like <laughs> i mean like kimberly's gonna fall asleep that's pretty much what i feel like so this episode is called blood relatives Ooh, i'm super into it the voiceover lady is brenda strong from desperate housewives and seinfeld and a million other tv shows and she's a personal hero oh that's great not personal hero. She's just an actress I like. You just like her? Okay. I don't know anything about her personally, but hearing her voice is delightful because she is the voiceover on Desperate Housewives. So the fact that she narrates the show is perfection. And ID Network does great voiceover stuff like Southern Fried Homicide or like, you know, Fear of Thy Neighbor. It's always like super good. In this tawny enclave, things were not what they seemed, you know. But they're stealing it a little bit. They're not stealing it. They're doing it differently. But I feel like the art of this sort of flowery narrative was created and perfected by one person, Keith Morrison. I don't know if that's true, but... I stated it with a lot of conviction, though. So can we pretend like it might be true? Yeah, that's true. Okay, thanks. What you just said is factual. <laughs> so this episode is called... Oh, also, every single title is a pun on murder. How did they do that? No one knows. They have six seasons. Every single title is a pun, is a play on words. I, I, I knew you'd like it. This one is called Death is in the Air, but air is spelled H-E-I-R. It's a weak title. I'm going to give it to you. There are way better titles. And I have one. And I will reveal it at the end. And I'm sure you already thought of it. But there is a very clear title for this episode that I was like, oh, come on. We were right there. And is, is it Dungeon Master? No, but it has something to do with that. So you're very close. So we'll get there. But I know why you picked this episode, though. I mean, there's a few like telltale things in this episode that I was like, and check, check. Yeah. But I think we're going to do more of the series because there were a ton. There's one about a lottery winner. That looks really good. Which one was that? I looked at them really quick. What? A lottery winner that was murdered. I don't know which season it was, but it looks really good. There's yep. a bunch. Got it. So on the website, it's season five, episode three. Death is in the air. A person is never as terrified as when they are trapped. 
Okay, so here's the other thing about this show that's amazing. Every episode has either an insect or a reptile of su- or an amphibian of some sort randomly just popping up in scenes, sometimes looking at the camera dramatically, crawling, slithering across, being a metaphor for something. You would think it would be a snake because there's usually a lot of snake-like behavior. Sure. In this episode, it's clearly some sort of lizard. Unsure why. A gecko. In one episode I saw, it was a centipede that just kept crawling across in someone's bedroom. In, at the mall. Like, just random scenes. And it's no one notices it. They act around it. It's, like, uh, invisible to the actors. But we see it, and we're supposed to th- think something. It's a very strange dramatic effect. I'm into it because I feel like the producer, the exec producer, somebody is has an arts degree and is like, we are going to do this. And it's like their little nuggets, right? It's their little treasure that you find yes, in the, the Easter egg. Yeah, the Easter eggs. I think that's I think that's fun. OK, I think the creator of the show has. Likes nature photography. No, owns a. Vivarium. 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 Yeah. And is trying to get all of his creatures to be SAG members and trying to make some side money on that. And I'm fine with it. Were the animals credited? I don't know. That's a great question. Okay. It didn't say like Alexander Gecko. Right. No. Okay. (laughs) His name, he's definitely Alexander. So we see this girl is in a scary room. She's clearly being kidnapped or something. And there, Alexander, the lizard gecko, is on the floor. He's scared, too. And there's a guy with this black and white scary makeup. I don't know how to describe it. Like, is that Juggalo makeup? A little bit. I would go ahead and say Juggalo. It's like kiss makeup. Kind of like a mime or kiss makeup. Something in that. Something like that. He wants to rock and roll all night. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, but he's kind of gothy and they're being held hostage in this room. And and you see like images of someone squeezing a sponge and brown water coming out. I don't know what that was supposed to be. Like, did they pee themselves? Washing a bathtub? I don't know. But it was dirty, like rust. They were cleaning up. I don't know what cleaning they were Cleaning makeup brushes from the makeup on the face? Oh, it's the crow makeup. It's the crow makeup. Yeah. The crow. Yeah. What's wrong with me? Yeah. If anyone knows what that... That brown water squeezing out with the sponge was supposed to represent, though. Makeup brushes. Okay. So he's, like, trapped, or or she's trapped, or that guy with the makeup is also trapped with her, or he was the captor. I'm unsure what the scenario is. It doesn't really matter, because they hear someone coming to the door, and the guy gets to go to the door. But then you see on the other side of the door, someone holds a taser to the door handle, which apparently electrifies the door handle, the metal door handle. And so the guy on the inside with the makeup is shocked. And you're like, wow, this got serious. Also, who are these people? What is happening? Also, what what's going on? Right. What is happening? And then they laugh. And we learn it was all a role-playing game. That whole thing was some sort of escape room slash role-playing slash cosplaying horror. Do people do this? Like pretend like they're being held hostage? Yes. By a captor outside? Okay. Different strokes. Then we go to the opening credits and they say blood is thicker than water, Brenda tells us. But sometimes your relatives are your deadliest enemies. And we see a very rich 
family posing for a portrait, maybe like Schitt's Creek. And they all look very unhappy with each other. Like one of them is going to murder someone. And then quick shots of blood dripping down towels in a linen closet. So it's like posh things combined with murder things. Right. Blood and like a dollhouse and murder. It's a great intro. I was a fan. We are in the small town of Washington, North Carolina. A popular businessman named Leith Von Stein. There we go. Yep. He likes to do GPS scavenger hunting. Explain. What I didn't. Is it is it like geocaching? Is that what that is? What's geocaching? I think it's where you follow on a map and people send coordinates, put coordinates of where they've buried little treasures. But I think this took place in like the 80s. So this episode took place in the 80s, which they don't mention really at all. It's just because I looked it up. So hmm. in but nowadays it's done through your phone, I think. And people bury little treasures and then you go hunt for them like Indiana Jones. But everyone planted them for you to find them. So I don't totally get it, but it's a way to explore outside. What do you mean you don't totally get it? It sounds like wonderful. Sounds magical. Sounds like so much fun. I want to know more details, but I could get into it. What are you worried about? What's the concern? What is the concern about it? Do I have to find cool things to then go bury in the woods? And like, what if they're not good enough and people are disappointed? Or do you not keep them? Do you just go and bury them somewhere else? It's either that or I think you're in a category. So you're with people that like the same things you like, right? So if I was doing a treasure hunt, it would be pallets or, you know, I don't know. No, this is not how it works at all. But what you're saying is a brilliant trademark idea tm because that's not the way it works it's all i think you're all searching it's one game you're all searching for the same kind of trinkets but what you're saying is brilliant people who love this tv show are searching all over for these things and people who love makeup are searching i think that's right or people that liked i don't know what it could be simple but i don't know if there's a huge crossover of people who love palettes and people who want to go digging in the woods for things underground. You only need one. <laughs> but what are the odds that person is going to be on the same continent as you even? That's part of the fun. You have to go to, you get to travel. So what if the other person that likes it lives in Banff in Canada? Then I have to go to Banff. That'd be great. To get a pallet. To get maybe two pallets. <laughs> okay. That's worth it. So Leith, who's very handsome kind of looks like he should be on soap opera and his stepson Chris who is I thought an an okay looking guy he's blonde and he's built oh okay is he built yeah he was like like he's in shape yeah we see him with the shirt off 10 times yeah I don't I don't look at that sort of stuff I didn't I didn't um I, <laughs> I, I did, I did not up. register um but <laughs> I down. I struggled with him because I, I felt I don't know what else he could get work as. I really thought about it. I was like, I wonder if he went out for Archie in Riverdale. That's what I thought, because I was trying to figure out what that actor would. Well, and when we get to the end and see what he actually looks like, I was super confused. So because his his actor, the actor looked absolutely nothing like the real guy. And the real guy looks sort of mousy, like a rat, a little bit like pointed features. And this guy has very flat, sort of muddy features. So, yeah, I don't know. But mm. kind of looks like he could be in a frat. Kind of looks like he could play football maybe in high school. OK, 
So he could be in Dead Poets Science Society remake? I don't think he was that preppy, but I think he was more like drinking out of a like red solo cup. But so like in a Van Wilder movie. You see where my problem is, right? I'm trying to like find roles for him and I'm like, what is that actor doing? Because he has a very distinct look that's tricky. So yeah, that's what I was Van thinking. Okay. So they find this box with what they thought were really cool things. It just kind of looked like junk to me. There were like some random coins that I'm assuming are fake coins or maybe they're really rare coins or maybe it's like a shekel that's worth two cents, but it's cool because it's from another country. I don't know. But they find this die that's like a multi-sided die, like a dice that comes in every single board game in your house that involves a die that's not six sides. So not that cool. But Chris is pumped by the die. It's a 12-sided, right? I mean, it's the clear D&D die. It's something like that. and Yeah, I think it's symbolic. So Leith is like, why don't you keep that? You worked hard today. And Chris is like, really? Oh, my God. Like, it's the biggest treasure in the world and then i thought maybe i'm not as into this geocaching whatever the gps thing is called because i don't think i want to work that hard for something i could buy at joann's for like 20 cents but i guess it's the adventure yeah i was just gonna say then you're absolutely if you're in it for the end result of the treasure (laughs) you're not the right person for this game so leith is doing this to show chris his stepson persistence and hard work and all the rewards that can come of it, like a old 12-sided die. And Chris puts the die in a little velvet bag. So Leith has no kids of his own, loves his stepson, Chris. He spoils him with gifts. Leith is married to Chris's mom. He, They both go home and they show Bonnie all of the dice and the random coins that they found. And she pretends to be impressed, but I think she's thinking great more things to collect dust but you do you honey i'm happy you have a hobby and is she not into it or is she a bad actress i think she was supposed to be interested and i think i was projecting my non-interest upon her wrong because she's like good for you you did really well today honey i love this and one thing is a man it's a little figurey figure an antique figure of a man on a bicycle it's like a little tin toy and so it's, toy. and he's saying like, look, you can see the year and she is so unenthused, <laughs> but I think she's, I couldn't figure out if she was just doing a bad job of acting enthused or if she's supposed to be kind of like not condescending, but a little bit that tone. So I, maybe we should give her more credit, say there was a whole other level that she added, it which is, be. I love that my husband is showing such affection to my son and they're getting along but I couldn't care less, but I find this side of him very sexy that he's being such a good stepdad. So those are all the layers going on. I didn't read any of that. I read, <laughs> that's very interesting, period. <laughs> I thought she did a little better than it that. It wasn't that. It, but wasn't, it wasn't that much It was better. enough for me to notice and be like, what are you doing, Bonnie? <laughs> and I was like, is this going to be, because we don't know what's happening at this point. We're at the very beginning. So I don't know if this is something that's going to come into play later that she hated this and it ruined their marriage. And she so, ends up killing him because he always chose geo-tracking over her. Correct. So I don't know right. what's happened. So I'm trying to like read from her. For if she's subtext. actually excited. And I, 
I think she is, though, genuinely supposed to be excited, happy at this point and think it's well, sweet. Well, then she failed. I think also it can. it's clear that Chris and stepdad used to do this when Chris was younger. And then all of a sudden we jump forward a few years. It seems like that this geo-tracking is something they did when maybe he was in high school. But the Chris at the present tense that we're meeting is not in high school. Well, he's only a freshman in college, though. But it so seems like, I'm sorry, I meant like freshman in high school, like young. It seems like this. Okay, so it's been for like four years. Maybe. And that's why the importance of the dice. And maybe that's why they were trying, they had him dress a little different. And I'm like, maybe they're trying to denote that he's younger when that's happening, that this is like a flashback. I think that was younger. Yeah, maybe it was a flashback. But it's, again, this is really subtle. <laughs> Hard to it's, tell. A, it's a little hard to tell. They don't give like a real timeline here. But I think he was supposed to be younger when that was happening. I think you're right. Because his behavior now is decidedly less wholesome. And he would not be excited about this now, I feel like. So Bonnie designs eye-catching sci-fi costumes for fun that her daughter wears to costume parties. This is the extent of Bonnie's character that she is given. In the show. What else does Bonnie do? We unsure what Bonnie does all day, what her actual interests in for herself are, besides dress making costumes for her teenage daughter to wear to costume parties. Because how often, how many costume parties is she going to per year that that is her full time hobby? And that is the only thing we find out about the mom is that's all she does once a year. She makes her daughter a costume for Halloween. The rest of the year, she sits and twiddles her thumbs. Kind of. That's what they make it seem. Well, and I don't understand the. I think that they made a mistake when they said costume parties. I think the daughter goes to conventions. And I think that they said costume parties because I'm like, we're in a small town in North Carolina. How many sci-fi costume parties are there? Very few. I think the mom is designing sort of elaborate costumes. I think Bonnie is designing elaborate things to take her daughter to these conventions, and that's how they spend time together. But the costume she's creating is a steampunk. It was way steampunk. It was full steampunk costume. I wrote steampunk, but this is the 80s. So she created steampunk, you guys, 30 years before its time. Okay, so we have got to stop digging into so much detail. It's fine. Just let's suspend the disbelief and go with it. She designs costumes ahead of her time. She created a whole movement. She did it. Good on Bonnie. What's Good next? for her. So she married Leith, who's this wealthy businessman. Mm-hmm. It was a rags to riches story because she was like a poor single mom of two kids and married this rich business guy. Who also built himself up from the ground. Built himself up from the ground up. At one point, she drops something and then notices that there's a ring in the bottom of a vent that she tries to get out of this air vent. Precious. With, <laughs> like, Natalie from 90 Day Fiance, w- with this hanger. She tries to undo the hanger. This comes up never again. I really, I, I there were so many red herrings at the beginning that I, I it shan't wasn't even. Supposed to, okay, it wasn't supposed to be the thing she dropped, right? She dropped a button she dropped or something. A, she dropped a bead. She was putting beads on this costume. She was putting brightly colored beads on this black and gray costume, which I was confused about in the first place, and I had to let that go, and then drops the bead down the vent, and we spend way too long on it. We need to get to the meat of the story. I have no idea why 
they're show I think they're trying to give us red hair. Well, they said he had all these previous relationships. So this was a ring from his so he has a wedding ring from a previous marriage that's in the heating vent. But then they say the very next sentence, she's fishing out the ring. It says, and so he's got a past, but so does Bonnie. Like they just sort of they go straight. No, we don't hear about his past. And then we hear that Bonnie is all this is a very wordy and elaborate way of saying both of these people are divorced. This is my new favorite show because it is very disjointed and confusing and shouldn't be this confusing. So listeners to this show, don't be confused. This stuff that we just spent a lot of time on is not important. So if you need to skip it, no, late. all you need too to know is Leith, the son, Bonnie, the daughter's name is Angela. Yep. And she likes to lay on the floor of her bedroom in her underwear. Like she's in American Beauty. <laughs> like she's in American Beauty talking to her boyfriend on his, who's laying on his bedroom floor with his shirt off and a snake tattoo on his neck. He's also in his underwear. Let's be clear. Yeah. And keeps cutting back and forth. And I was like, man, I did high school all wrong because I didn't, I never laid around in my underwear. I didn't know you were supposed to do that. So also the guy she's talking to with the neck tattoo that is of a snake, clearly 25 years old, minimum. She's in high school. She's like 15 or something, right? Why Why are we seeing like gratuitous slow-mo shots of her touching her, her like neck, stomach, her thigh, her, her thigh, hands just in just her underoos? I feel like this is illegal. You see pores. You see hair follicles on her legs when she is touching her legs. I don't, I don't know, guys. I don't know about it's this. It's a lot. So Chris used to be a star student in high school, maybe when he was doing the geo tracking, and now he's a freshman in college. He is home for the weekend from college and has brought what appears to be a 40-year-old woman <laughs> into his room to have sex with in his parents' house. She works at the at like the bra counter at the mall and he <laughs> found her and was like, "Hey, is, you want to show I off some of your wares?" I saw her face close up. I was like, "Okay, maybe she's not as old as I thought, but it looked like he had brought a cougar home he did. for the weekend to his parents' house." He did. So she works at could, Macy's. Yeah. Her name is Samantha and she's over for the for the afternoon. So he's in his boxers and they are getting like rolling around dry humping on the bed and Leith comes and knocks on the door angrily and Chris like throws this cougar onto the floor basically and she hides behind the bed, probably crawls under. It was pretty funny. And so Chris answers the door in his boxers. So the second guy we've seen in boxers so far. Goodness. Leith was wearing a shirt. He's like, I want to talk to you about your grades. Your grades are horrible and I'm paying for your college and you're being acting so lazy. And so they're arguing about how much tuition costs while this poor girl is hiding under the bed. Cut to they never show her hiding under the bed. And that would have been some good comedy is watching her like peek her head up and put, you know, her head down. I thought that would be funny. But then the Leith kind of says, you know, if you don't, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, blah, blah, blah walks away. Mm -hmm. Then Angela, the sister, walks by and she goes, you can come out now, Susie. And then Chris slams. Who's Susie? My name's Samantha. That girl's name is not Susie because she's not from the 1950s, although she was a cougar. And Angela's just being a bratty sister, which is kind of funny. And so Chris slams the door in his sister's face. 
Then we see the imagery of a blood red flower with blood dripping onto a red, a white flower throughout this, the show. Sorry, the gecko was also in the bedroom. Just ahead. <laughs> Does Chris have a gecko? But no, it's just loose. It's not in a in a aquarium or anything. It's just loose. It's just hanging out. So why do they do the symbology? It's not the right word. Symbolism of the gecko and the flower with the blood dripping. We'll I'm never sure. know. So both of the siblings basically just hoochie it up all the time and don't study. Well, I guess that that's what we're told. Like we have all these interviews interspersed throughout and we're just told that they're just kind of like Angela's kind of a wild, typical teenager girl. And then Chris is partying college freshmen as most college freshmen are. Yes. Angela's has her football boyfriend walking around her room with her his shirt off again. Second scene of him. He does not like to wear a shirt except it's draped over his shoulder. And he's carrying a football. That's how you know she's dating a football guy. But he must be like a pro player because he's 25. And he's really into sci-fi, I guess. The boyfriend? Angela's boyfriend? He must be because that's what she does. Is dresses up as as steampunk characters and goes to parties. Great point. Oh, my goodness. So Angela finds out that Leith, her stepdad, has been reading her diary. So she's furious. She goes and yells at him. Bonnie, the mom, goes and yells at Leith. She's saying, how could you read Angela's diary? She's so upset. And he says, your son is so lazy and he's tearing us apart. And Bonnie is like, no, he's fine, son. And it's like, this conversation was supposed to be about Angela and the diary. How did it instantly? She says, how could you read Angela's diary? And he says, your son is practically failing out of college. Are we trying to fill time? Is that why we (laughs) have the thing with the I think the diary... Well, I think the diary comes into play later. We're supposed to hearken back to the diary, but it's really, it's disjointed. It is. And then Bonnie says, if you don't lay off Chris, he's going to lose it. Basically insinuating, I'm scared about my son's mental health and his predilection maybe to kill us all. Who knows? Yeah. Foreshadowing. And Leith is in the scene fingering a saw, one of those little hand saws. (laughs) Like stroking it with his finger. So maybe he's going to murder everyone else. Was it an antique? Is it from the Geo (laughs) Geo treasure? Yeah, I don't know. So then cut to the best kitchen scene I've ever seen that made no sense. Mm. Mom is cutting what I first thought to be. I'm, I'm not even joking. I thought it was a snake. She pulls out this long thing that I thought was a snake, maybe because I had seen the Geico 10 times already. Mm. But I, it's a gecko. It turns, Not Geico, it turns, it's a car insurance. Sorry, the gecko. gecko sells. Yeah. It is, I, I believe, a long thing of sausage, which yeah. she pulls out of a pot. And then Leith and Chris get into a fight. And Chris says, you're not my real dad, which you were waiting for. I was waiting for, you're not my real dad. You never will be. And he did part of it. But he didn't do it right. He didn't do it right. Yeah. And then we see a close-up of her cutting the sausage. Very close-up of her cutting the tip off the sausage. What is that? Unsure. That, uh, is, it, is it foreshadowing of some sort of John Bobbitt crime? John Bobbitt later. That she's going to do a cutting of another sausage. Yeah. And then we see close-up of boiling water to show that just... Tempers, Tempers are, are boiling. boiling over yep, right there we now. Go. 
and cut to Chris, who is ignoring all of the fighting and texting a girl on his phone about nude photos. And so Leith takes his phone and drops it in a pitcher of water because everyone has a glass pitcher of water sitting, tap water sitting on the counter. It wasn't a fishbowl? No, it was a... It was a pitcher? It looked like a bowl to me. No, like you'd have orange juice in. It's freshly squeezed orange. I think you and I aren't wealthy enough. I think that in in wealthy people's homes, they do have pitchers of liquid. Yeah, maybe. Like lemonade or something. Yeah, So, but but you'd have a water one. So you'd have like a tart one and then just like water for somebody who just wanted water that came over. You'd never like go and like press it in in the refrigerator. No, they go into the refrigerator and they have a glass pitcher and they pour you a glass of water. Okay, I could see that. Yeah. I need to class up my cooking routine with... HelloFresh, maybe. HelloFresh is the best. Do cooking scenes at your house turn into oddly disturbing close-up shots of the tips of sausages being cut off, Mm. boiling water, and boiling over tempers? Then HelloFresh might be for you. With HelloFresh, you can get rid of a lot of the tensions going on in your family. Dare I say? Might prevent a murder? No, I can't make those claims. They will give you... Fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. For the money-conscious families out there, which we all are, HelloFresh is 28% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store. Wow. And they have gourmet recipes like the balsamic fig sirloin, over 72% cheaper than an average restaurant meal. According to the Zagat's dining survey... Also, you don't get all of the extra ingredients and then you have to throw them away, which drives me crazy. I'm sick of throwing out like a half a thing of bread because I didn't use it in time. Exactly. And you get pre-portioned ingredients. So if it says like half a clove of garlic, they're sending you like half a clove of garlic. It's pretty incredible. You're reducing your food waste by at least 25%, which is so important. And you're not overbuying, which is a burden on the planet. So Mm -hmm. super important. Also, you can get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. So you can spend more time geo-tracking. I mean, what else are you doing with your time? Yeah. I am still loving the variety of the vegetarian meals. I just made a zucchini pomodoro penne with mozzarella and ricotta. Yum. It was easy. I didn't mess it up, you guys. Like, I did not mess it up at all. It was so good. We are huge fans of HelloFresh, and we keep hearing from you guys that you are too. Send us your pictures. Like, tag us in all the pictures of things you're making. And cutting sausage and... Um, boiling over pots of water. Any dramatic kitchen scenes that you can send us, please, while you're making your HelloFresh. So go to HelloFresh.com forward slash Dateline12 and use code Dateline12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. I know. HelloFresh.com forward slash Dateline12 and use code Dateline12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. I can't believe that. It is America's number one meal kit for a reason. Highly recommend. Ring, ring. Hello? Fresh. <laughs> How dare you keep calling me? I'm calling the police. I will find you. The fresh is coming from inside the house. <laughs> the fresh is coming from inside the kitchen. <laughs> and it's delicious. Supper's up. <laughs> 
There are so many puns that you can make that sound diabolical when you say them in that voice. And they're just about cooking. Dinner is served. Knives out. Ricotta. No, no. Ricotta. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, HelloFresh. Thank you, HelloFresh. So Bonnie is still trying to, oh, I know why she doesn't have a hobby. She literally spends all her time trying to smooth things over between her stepkids and her husband and sewing. That's all she has time for. So she's trying to smooth things over. It doesn't work because Chris is still acting out in college. Angela goes to visit her brother, Chris, at college, finds out that Chris and his friend, who is also shirtless in this scene, unsure why, always shirtless friends, Hang out at the lumber yard at night. Maintenance yard. Maintenance yard and lean up against giant pipes. Yeah. In the dark. Yeah. Getting lost in a world of dark fantasy. Here we go. So we find out that the die was so exciting to him because he's super into Dungeons and Dragons. And oh my gosh. Which was so confusing to me because I miss, I thought. Dungeons and Dragons in the 80s was like for the nerdy kids that are fighting Demogorgons in Stranger Things in their parents' basement that are in junior high. But Chris is kind of looks like a popular guy because he brings home cougars and is kind of buff when he wears his boxer shorts Mm. around the house. So I was a little confused, but he and his friend that's at the lumber maintenance yard is the one that's wearing the, the makeup. crow makeup. Yeah. He loves the crow makeup. So he, I can see playing D and D a little more than Chris can. I still think it's a casting issue. It's a casting issue. Chris just does not fit in with what I pre perceived thought about D and D. And there is no judgment here. I think D and D sounds really fun. And I wish someone had invited me to play with them. Cause I told I totally would have. I feel like there's a reason I wasn't invited, and I don't like the implications. That you're witchy? That you would... That I'm bossy. That I would be too bossy. I don't want to be bossy, but I may try to steer the game in a certain direction. I don't know how it works. I got to read up on it. Well, then maybe they just wouldn't make you the leader. Do you take turns? Because the leader gets to decide a lot of that stuff, I think. But maybe they take turns and they would just skip you. But how much does it hurt if, like, then you're not invited back because you are too bossy? I just really like to play and I get very excited and maybe I would get too excited. But more importantly here, you and I are not smart people. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I've tried Catan and I I didn't understand it. I was bad at it, but I really wanted to be good. I was motivated to be good. So I was medium. The I was bad. The the lizard is a bearded dragon. That's so it's a it's a it's a D and D thing. Yeah. Oh, and that's why Chris always has that dragon yeah. necklace around yes. his neck. There we go. Why didn't you and I get there before this moment? Because there is a lizard or an insect in every other episode of the series. So it is going to have something to do with whatever it is. But this is very clearly a bearded dragon. No, because the episode I watched that had a centipede had nothing to do with centipedes. I 
hate to be the one to tell you this, but is it possible that it does and you're not thinking of it just like Bearded 100%, Dragon? 100%. 100% it is possible. Send me the name of the episode. Let me see. No, because I'm literally telling you I watched the start of about 20 of these episodes. There's six seasons to try to pick one that I wanted to do. And they all have either an insect or a reptile in every scene. In every scene. And it's a different one throughout or a the different same one? one? Well, I saw several that had centipedes and I had saw several that had what I thought to just be lizards. I don't know the different kinds of lizards. They never had like a turtle because I a turtle is not an ominous creature, but I never really thought of a a lizard as an ominous creature either. Okay. Again, I think it should just be a snake. Okay. So... They, Angela is hanging out with them. They hang out the lumber yard. They do drugs and they play Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. And they, this is when we keep seeing the dragon necklace. And so Leith is done. He tells Chris, you need to improve your grades or I'm going to stop paying for your college. And then it says, once again, Chris falls on his sword. Because I think that was, that I got was a D&D type thing. I'm not. To- I'm a total idiot. And he starts crying. Chris starts crying and saying, "I'm sorry, I let you down, and I let mom down." And he has real tears flowing. That was a big crying scene. Impressive. Unlike everyone I've seen on Dateline who's supposed to have real tears, Chris, this reenage Macmur, has great real tears flowing. Lots of tears. Yeah, red face. Yeah, the whole thing. Impressive. Mm-hmm. So he says, "I'm gonna make things right." Cut to the voiceover saying, but he'll never get the chance. Why is he in his boxer shorts in this scene? Why is it necessary for Chris to be in his boxers again? Why is he in his underwear 90% of this episode? He can only show vulnerability with his stepfather when he is shirtless. And they go skin to skin because they never had that skin to skin contact as a baby. I'm just kidding because Leith always has a shirt on. So that didn't make any sense. It's not a it's not a shirtless thing. It's because why don't you just have him in pajama pants? I don't understand why they have him straight up in his. I don't understand why the was the boyfriend choice. Angela's boyfriend in the boxers? Chris, there's another scene with his friend who has no shirt on. There's so many torsos in this episode. But okay, the the two scenes with the teens on the phone when they're in underwear, I kind of get it. I don't think you need it, but I get it. But I don't understand why. Chris is in his underwear specifically for this crying scene unless he's waking up from a nap, which he doesn't appear to be. Maybe he's like, I don't I don't know. The second he walks in that bedroom, that's his safe space at home at his parents house. So he takes his shirt off like when you take your bra off at the end of the day. I don't know. I don't really I don't get it. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah. I'm glad that you don't get it either because I was like I could not find the through line. Okay. Okay. But apparently Chris is going to die because she said he'll never get the chance. So 911 dispatcher, who is awesome, should have gotten her own spinoff. Who is the MVP hands down. Loved her. We barely get any of her, but I'm still obsessed with her. She has bleach blonde hair. And in her reenactment, she's sitting in a almost pitch black room. They always are. It's like in CSI, how they're looking at small DNA samples in a pitch black lab. I feel like in reenactments, 90% of the time, the dispatcher is in the dark with just a computer screen. I hope that's not how 911 dispatch no, works. No, give them light. They need light. Because you just go and, to sleep. Yeah. And 
usually they should they should they never have other dispatchers around them or maybe one that they can lean over and be like marge except hear that call but this is a very small town yeah yeah so she they never get calls but they get a call at four something in the morning so they're startled and it's a woman who's saying i've been stabbed like very quietly yeah, you can barely hear her. Mm-hmm. Police race to the house. They find a body lying face down in blood. It is Patriarch Leith von Stein in his king-size bed. They have to say it's a king-size bed because they're supposed to be reminded that these people are wealthy. And Bonnie is on the floor, and she's bloody, but she's mumbling. She's alive. Police search the rest of the house with their flashlights. They never turn the lights on on TV shows. They just keep their flashlights out. Right. Unsure why. They find daughter Angela lying in bed, sleeping like nothing has happened. They have to wake her up. Dude, your parents have been stabbed. She has no clue and also no reaction. And I couldn't tell if it was an actor's choice or a bad actor until later. But she literally has no reaction. No reaction. Right. No reaction. And they're like, you didn't hear anything? She's like, no. And they say, well, your your stepdad's dead and your mom is injured. She's like, okay. And then she calls Chris. Chris, something happened to Leith and mom. Can you come home quick? No reaction. Chris is away at college, two hours away. Uh. The injuries are devastating and diabolically varying. He's been beaten with a bat and stabbed. That's not that varying, though. That's only two things. No, varying, I think varying between the two of them. Yeah, but it made it seem like it was varying, like so many. Oh, no, no. I think they meant varying. They vary between. As in it goes back and forth? No, between him and her. They're varied. Like his his injuries are very different than hers. That's a good. Okay, you got it. You're right. I might not be, but that's what I thought. So the glass on the back door is broken. So they think that's how they got in. But then they're like, nope. That's not how they got in because like many a stage burglary on Dateline, people are so dumb. When you're staging a robbery, you have to take something outside and throw the glass, break it through the glass from the outside so that the glass is all on the inside instead of doing it while you're already in the house because then the glass will be outside, dum-dums. Come on, guys. Then they, they're back in Angela's bedroom talking to her and they do a close up of a big fan in Angela's room. And I thought they were just I don't know what I thought. And I was thinking, well, maybe that's why she's half naked all the time, because it's really, really hot in her bedroom. Also, she has a glass of ice water next to her bed. But if she went to bed at 11 p.m. and it's now 4 a.m., that glass of ice should have been melted. So the police yeah. are very suspicious of Angela. So we see them call down the hallway to each other to see if they can hear each other and they can hear each other loud and clear. So they think she should have heard the stabbing. Because they're just separated by a hallway. It's not like she's in a different wing of the house. Yes. We get a quick close-up of the iguana slash bearded dragon for no reason. Then we see that Angela says she's a heavy sleeper and the fan was blowing and maybe the ice didn't melt because the fan was blowing. Maybe? Okay. I didn't buy that. We need to call the sediment guy. We need the sediment guy or one of those tech people on, you know, the guy from the Adnan case who studied the grass yes. under the car. Sure. And he that studied, 
if the seeds would blossom into yes. turf, if turf would grow under the car in certain, we take a glass of, maybe I could just take a glass of ice and blow a fan on it and see if it's, well, I don't live where they live. So it's different here. The humidity, the guy on TV says, it's so, so humid down here. But if you had a fan blowing in a bedroom it might keep the ice for five hours in your glass. That seems like a lot if it's a full ice cube. But those fans are, those box fans are super noisy. The noise I bought, the ice in the glass, not as much. I agree. Can I really quick go back to the MVP of the 911 caller? Because I did want to emphasize that when she is on the phone with the woman saying, I've been stabbed with Bonnie she said, I just had to keep talking to her to keep her with us so that she would stay alert. Nobody's ever done that that I've seen in a 911. We've never had, usually the dispatchers are kind of disinterested. This is a dispatcher that kept her on the phone to try to keep her alive. Yeah, we've had a few, but you're right. Most of the time, they're very over their jobs. Really over it. And she seemed really helpful. So mm -hmm. just that's I'm going to keep you talking. Yeah, I love that. So... Again, another close-up of the random lizard. So many in tight. Now, it's getting, like, more, I feel like. Yeah. It's like every scene, there's now twice a scene. At the hospital, Bonnie is going to survive, but she doesn't remember who did it. She only vaguely remembers someone swinging at her. She doesn't even know if they were male or female. Mm. So the police think, oh, is she faking that to protect someone? I thought that. Yeah. Also... She's injured a lot, but they keep saying she's not injured enough. Like maybe she faked it or she got someone to only slightly injure her to make it look like she was a victim too, but she was behind it. But she got hit in the back of the head with a bat. And stabbed. And stabbed. It seems very risky. Also, her gorgeous rich lady prose hair is completely wrapped up with a bandage. Completely like a, I don't know what to describe, like a condom is on her head from the thing on the back of the head, which is a real disservice to the actress because she had good hair. Well, and if she had good hair, you know she's using prose because prose makes beautiful hair. Beautiful. By now, you've probably heard us talk about prose. It's the world's most personalized hair care. I want to share a few updates since using the custom formulas that Prose has sent me. And a spoiler alert, Prose is the real deal, guys. I use the shampoo conditioner system, and on some days I use the pre-shampoo treatment when I really need my hair to look nice or it's feeling extra dry. And I also use the hair oil on days between when I'm washing my hair. I use the whole system because it's all fantastic, and in conjunction with each other, it works even better. But what I'm really excited about is they have some new products out there. And one of them is scalp products. So Ooh, I can use that. I mean, if you know anything about hair care, like a lot of scalp products have come onto the market lately because scalp products, it's kind of like keeping your gums nice for your teeth. Keeping your scalp healthy keeps your hair healthy. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that was beautifully stated. Oh, thanks. Pros has several different kinds of scalp treatments. So it's whether you need soothing repair for your scalp or you need detoxing for mm. your scalp, which is 
really important. Sounds scary, but really can change your hair on a day-to-day basis if you do a detox once in a while. It's really an amazing thing. I think I need it because I think my scalp has more buildup than tension in this family. Yeah, it very well it very well might. But you don't know that until you go online and take their quiz. Pros has given over one million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which is how I got started and how you'll know if you're going to need some sort of scalp treatment as part of your routine. With their algorithm and over 50 billion formula combinations, Pros determines a unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact concerns. They also have a review and refine feature that lets you tweak your formulas for any reason, like a change of address, hair color, or a change to your diet. If I decide to try vegan for 2021, I would let Pros know because I think that that would tweak things in my hair care system. And the best thing is, if you're not 100% positive, Pros is the best hair care you've had. They will take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy care regimen with your name all over it. Literally, it has your name on it. It feels very fancy. I love it. <laughs> take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Yay! Go to pros.com slash date dateline. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash date dateline for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off your order. Woohoo! Strike a pros. Pros, 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 pros. Thank you so much, pros. Check them out, guys. Thank you, pros. Beautiful hair. Don't care. Beautiful hair. Do care. Beautiful hair. Extremely care. Extremely care. So, unfortunately, Bonnie's hair is totally wrapped up. And her face is. I mean, she looks like she's been real beaten. And then they keep going, but she was barely stabbed in the chest. And she was barely hidden in the back of the head with the baseball bat. So we think she might have been in on it. But then we get back to that, that he was hit like... 10 times with the bat. That's true. So if she is only hit once, stabbed once, and he has a bazillion wounds, that does seem... Yeah. And I've actually seen datelines where people shot themselves to... Oh, sure. ...fake a attack. Yep. So Leith was fighting with Chris over his bad grades and apparently compulsive D&D playing. He was fighting with the daughter over her partying. He wasn't fighting with Bonnie, Bonnie, who has very little personality of her own, but she would be uh, the main inheritance if he were to die. So they're looking at the whole family. Mm -hmm. Detectives go to talk to Chris. He's still at college because I guess he didn't get his sister's call. It was a little unclear. Or has he like already gone home and visited and gone right back to college again? I think we are in a super short time period because when they say when they show up to talk to him, he's getting ready to go home. Okay. So he just took his sweet time. Apparently. Like 12 hours. He's not that worried his mom's in the hospital? Okay. Yeah. So he had to wrap up a DNT game. So he, <laughs> he had to says, invade Marmothal. I don't know if that's what it's like. Is that what it's like? Gorgana, Gorganistan with the mandrels. I, I don't to, I don't know any names I from D&D. take my giant, my, my tribe of giants and invade the unicorn landing i had to slay the dragon of doth with the elves of gargamore with my with my arrow my quivering arrow and wielding yon sword of bravery right with my righteousness 
my braid that when you whip it upon people, it makes their limbs um, fall off their body. Yawn whipping braid. Yes. Yeah. It's a thing. Are are we getting it right? Can people give us a fact check on those? We're not. And we might be insulting an entire community. So let's just. It's jealousy, though. It's pure jealousy speaking, because we wish we were invited to those parties. If you would like us to play D&D on YouTube, let me know, because I would do that. <laughs> but we would try to learn how to play. Will we practice ahead of time and we act could probably like get it was Jake our in. first We time? could get Jake in on it. He would have to be the leader. Yeah, I don't. Neither you nor I should be the leader. Let's put him on it, and then let's play and see how well it goes. <laughs> I'm telling you, the one time I played Catan, I gave up within 10 minutes because I didn't understand it and I felt dumb. And I'm regretting that. I wish I had stuck with it. That, I'm, I regret that for you because I think that you'd actually do well. And I don't see you as a quitter. So that's shocking to me. I don't want to he. I don't picture that. I can't see you doing that. That doesn't seem like you. If I'm not good at something instantly, I just sort of go, meh, it wasn't meant to be. I don't want it that badly anyways. That's a very, it's a very healthy attitude. <laughs> I know. So detectives go to talk to Chris and he says, well, I have an alibi. I was playing cards with my friends until 3 a.m. Is cards, cards, it was card, it was D&D, right? So the, and then we kind of get to know these detectives like the tiniest bit and I wish they had more to do. There's like a hardened, white-haired, older gentleman yes. detective Agreed. and a younger strong black woman detective. Agreed. I want to know them. They both give great looks, but they get almost no lines. So you hear voiceover of like the narrator saying stuff and then they're just doing a lot of reacting acting because they're not getting any lines, but they're reacting their hearts out. And so I wish that they were given some lines. It's a shame. It is a shame. Yeah. Chris walks away from the detectives and walks right past the lizard dragon. Bearded dragon. Bearded dragon, which is sitting on the the ground. And he walks by it in a really dramatic fashion, but it apparently is not supposed to see it. It is supposed to be unseen to him. And then the dragon looks up at Chris and hisses at him. So (laughs) I was like, is that there is the, is Chris the killer? Is the dragon the audience doing some sort of reaction? At this point in time, do you not know who the killer is, Kimberly? I mean, I kind of figured who the killer was at this point. I mean, we know. I think at this point we're looking for details. Yeah, this I just wanted I was just along for the ride at this point. I would not say that this show is as good as um confu- trying to show you many, many potential killers as betrayed is. But they really tried because they gave us the whole backstory on her and then the mom and then... Except Bonnie. Poor Bonnie, I feel like, would never got a shot in heck of being the actual killer because she was given no personality traits. But I... Okay, keep going. I'll tell you what I actually thought about what was going to happen here. I mm-hmm. can't wait. But it, what did you think when you saw the lizard do the hissy face? Like the the little one in Jurassic Park with the things that came out of the side of its face. Oh, that killed Newman? Yeah. I was like... It what is the dragon gonna is it gonna come? I just was so confused. I've never seen a show where there's some sort of like creature 
that is part of the show, but they are invisible to the actors in the show. And they just have play random parts and scenes and are shown. Ran- Sometimes they would be gone for 20 minutes and then it would show up again. And you're like, oh, my God, I forgot there's a dragon in this show for no reason. I kind of I kind of love it. But I also love his dark materials. And that's the one I was telling you about where people have the animals attached to their bodies, like part of their soul. And that's what I felt this bearded dragon was. It was like part of the soul of Chris. Okay, so can we commit to doing at least one other episode of this show and analyzing, maybe we'll pick a centipede one and see if we can find one that the centipede has something to do with the show. Because I think you're I think you're 100% right about the bearded dragon and I just didn't pick up on it. But you think it's not a through line through the other ones. I'm going to watch some. It's my first one I've seen. So let me let me watch a couple. Let me see. All right. So 5 days after the murder, a farmer is up early and sees a big fire. He runs up to see it. The farmer I was expecting to be, I don't know what I thought when I heard farmer. I thought like 60-year-old man. It's like a 16-year-old kid. But whatever, I guess farmers can be all ages. I think when you hear farmer, I do also think of Matthew from Anne of Green Gables. I think an older right. gentleman. <laughs> right. And I saw this kid. I was like, that's the farmer's grandson. Yeah. <laughs> but he could be a farmer too. So the police investigate this fire and it's filled with random items that it appears that someone was trying to burn. Like they're trying to get rid of evidence. There's some paper, some clothes, what appears to be one of those little rocking horses that maybe sits outside of a drugstore that you put some money in and the kid sits on it like a rocking horse the most random group of things that i've ever seen the paper is the important part there's a forensic reenactor who i thought did a great job and he had one of the most fun jobs he's unfolding the paper with tweezers and wearing gloves like he's on csi Mm -hmm. and he says He's looking at it deeply and he says, I see a Washington road. Does that mean anything? Like he's a psychic looking into a crystal ball. It's very dramatic. That's good stuff. And they say, they say, oh, that's the street that they live on. What is it? So- Wait, can I, can I just mention really quick that this must have been the coolest burning fire in the history of ever if the paper survived, the, the paper <laughs> survived. So not only did the clothes or anything else not burn up, you're terrible at lighting fires. That's No, horrible. You just lit that fire and walked away and you lit it in a bunch of wet sticks. Why didn't you put it in a barrel? It rained that night and you didn't because you weren't concerned. It's so bad. It's it's lazy. Is what that's exactly what it is. It's lazy criminals. Someone who didn't even stick around for 10 minutes. To make sure that things were actually burning. The age of who we're dealing with here. Yes. Very smart. Very smart. So what the paper appears to be is a map of the Von Steins neighborhood, hand-drawn with an X over the Von Steins house. So was it wife Bonnie, daughter Angela, or son Chris? And at this point, they do the classic ID trope, which is you see each actor standing by themselves stoically staring at the camera and the camera panning in very dramatically on each one. How far is this fire set from the house? Not maybe a couple miles. You've got to be kidding me. (laughs) Not that far. Again, there's only been one murder in this town in like 27 years. So obviously the fire is related to the murder. 
Because it's the same police that are investigating both the fire and the murder. It's so dumb that it's (laughs) ticking me off. It's that dumb. I agree. I agree. Go to another precinct. Anywhere. Go to another jurisdiction. Literally. And light the fire. Literally put it all in a bag, put rocks in it, and put it in water. Yeah. They live in one of the Carolinas. They have bodies of water there. I, Kimberly. Yeah, very upset. You know what? Leith might have been right when they called this person lazy. Dun dun. Yeah, actually, think? it was a good character portrayal. The fact that this is how they lit the fire. So they said the voiceover says leads in the murder case have been slow to develop. I was thinking it's only been five days. It's actually been. Pretty quick of a murder investigation. The map shows that the murderer had left Washington, the city of Washington, going west. And that person would be Chris. But they don't have a way to tie the map to Chris. So they go to the university where he goes to school and they get a handwriting sample. And the handwriting is the same. And at this point, I was so dumb again for the 10th time. And I was like, but Chris wouldn't need a map drawn to his own house. And I was like, oh, he drew the map for someone else because he has an alibi. Are you sleepy? You need a map. I must have been. This was like the 10th ID show I watched, though, in a row, to be fair. So there. Okay, so who would his friend who would he have hired? He has two friends that they think it might be. They're both role-playing friends. One is Neil, who looks super nervous and apparently is the smartest one of all. Like, they make him seem like Goodwill Hunting smart. Like, he's going to cure diseases or invent something. He's going to be a a great inventor or something. And I was like, him? The reenactor doesn't play him that smart. But anyways, the detective says, I've never seen someone with an intellect like his. Never met someone quite like him. We were no match for his his smarts. Yeah, because he was really smart about lighting a fire. Yeah. Really yeah. lit that fire. So wow. they offer him immunity in exchange for leniency. Or they offered him a le- offered like leniency, him leniency in, exchange in exchange for, for information, right. even though they don't really know what he knows. Because he's saying he doesn't know anything. I guess it took him a while to crack him, but... We're at the end of this episode, so they got to get through it. So they're like, it took us a while, but eventually, here's what eventually. we did. Yeah. So he cracks, and he tells them what he knows. So we see Chris. I can't remember if he has a shirt on or not. And it's the scene where he's talking to his friends and convincing them to take part in his shirt scheme. He's got a shirt, shirt on. on. Yep. And because he's talking about money matters. He's talking about his inheritance and how he's going to give them some of it if they help him. And they and they do a toast. They do a toast. They are already role players in the world of fantasy. And apparently they used to reenact those things like the kidnapping scene. And they used to use real weapons and fight each other. And they used to do sword play and stuff. So why not just kill someone for real? It's just taking it to the next level. And they get money for it. This is exciting. Exactly how Satanic Panic starts, by the way. And this was in the 80s. Right. This is exactly how that starts. Maybe this case was one of the big things that propelled that sort of paranoia. Except these are rich college kids. Yeah. So that's that's even scarier. And then they the toast. The toast is to being young and rich. That's the toast they made. 
douchebag. I can't. It so is. It's like it might as well be James Spader. Like yeah. <laughs> it, with the hair in the it yeah. was like a trench coat, you know, or a yeah. white yachting yeah. jacket. It's yeah. so irritating. So the plan is that James is going to do the killing and Neil is going to be the driver. And they are going to drive Chris's car to the house and do the murdering in his Mustang. And why? Meanwhile, Chris is going to wait in the apartment by himself because so he'll have an alibi. But if he's by himself, no one can vouch for him. If his car is seen by the parents' house, that blows his alibi. And his alibi, when the police come, are we were playing cards with him at 3 a.m. So if the alibi people are going to be there, he could just go with them. There's He could, right? Am I not understanding? He absolutely could. No, you're understanding. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. He just didn't want to be do the work. He is lazy. He just wanted his friends to do the work. So they show him sitting at the apartment by himself. What's he doing? Rolling the die. If I roll a six, they're going to stab my parents the right way. Oh, my god! It's by himself. It's like drinking a beer. It, he could have gone with the, I don't understand. No. Nope. Okay. So James goes to Kmart and buys a huge knife. James is the second friend. James, the second friend. I don't know why they didn't just take a knife they had in their apartment. No one's going to notice if frat boys have a knife missing and he also brings a bat and we see there's another dragon hanging from the rear view mirror like the dragon that chris wears around his neck chris gave james a key james lets himself in with the key james hits leith stabs him a ton of times and is super into it bonnie wakes up he hits her with the bat and then he kind of gets scared for no reason. Maybe he was on drugs. He just like panics mm-hmm. and he stabs the mom just once and like is like, I'm done. Peace out. I don't have time for this. I've, I'm in too far. I might get caught. But I think he was supposed to do a bunch of other things. They like because he breaks the glass. But I think it was supposed to look like a robbery. I think he was supposed to take some items. He stole absolutely nothing, not one thing to make it look like a robbery. And he broke the glass from the inside. And he only stabbed the mom once and she lives. So he fails across the board. Just everything. Absolutely everything. Yeah. The fourth thing he was supposed to do was kill Angela. And he just doesn't do that, which God, thank God he didn't kill Angela. But apparently she really wasn't in on it because she was supposed to die too. I thought she was. So I kind of didn't know if Angela or the mom or both were in on it. They weren't letting us know that. And I thought because of Angela's lack of reaction, I was like, she she may have like let him in. I thought it was something like that. That was just, I guess, a normal non I guess a normal human reaction of having no reaction. Because they do say like she has no reaction. It's very suspicious. So it was the actor doing a good job of what they really did in real life. It was just shock, maybe? Maybe just shock. And which is why you should never really judge people by their reactions. But the friends, James had said, what do I do if Angela wakes up? And Chris had said, just kill her too. Just take her out too. Take her out too. Yeah. I don't want him in charge of a D&D circle because he would do really weird stuff to elves and stuff. Like, I don't trust him. Like, he's mean spirited he would beat your giant and stuff like that 
don't know if there are elves and giants in this. I don't know, really. Oh, it looks like there might be. Sorry, I'm I'm on the website. <laughs> the possibilities are limitless, Kimberly. Oh my gosh. Just are there so mermaids? You know. I'll tell Can you, you in, in the a second. Water? I'm waiting for you to finish the recap and I'll read this to you. It's exciting. Okay. So all three guys are arrested. Neil gets 40 years, but is released after 10. James got a life sentence. Hold on, Chris, stop. Who gets released after 10? Neil? Neil. That seems the one, right. The driver. Okay, all right. James, who actually did the killing, got a life sentence. Chris, the son, got life, but already is out on parole. He's out. He's out right now. He could be listening to this podcast. I know. I, just, <laughs> I don't feel like he's going to kill again because I don't have any money or anything for him to have. But So maybe he could just teach us how to play D&D. No, Kimberly. No, absolutely no, not. Okay, no, absolutely not. Stay away from us, Chris. <laughs> James, the friend, when they show his prison picture, he looks crazy, straight up crazy. Let's be real about that. 100%. So Neil kind of looks like the real guy. So great casting job. They actually did a good job. Mm-hmm. James, when, what you just said, he's smiling. Manson. He he's, has this smirk that is so creepy and he has a huge forehead. No, thank Very you. Very scary. No, thank you, Chris sir. looks like, I'm scared to say that he looks like a loser, but he looks like a loser. He looks a lot dorkier than the guy who, than the Archie who's playing. 100%. Yeah. He looks like he has patchy facial hair and he's really skinny and mousy and. It doesn't look like he's picking up the bra sales woman at Macy's. Exactly. Yeah. He, he looked more like what I thought a and d player would look like. Correct. And so I think the whole thing was just like big casting confusion. I think they needed a redhead. I think he might have red hair. And so they found a redhead. They found a ginger. And so that's how I that I thought he was more blonde. Oh, he seemed like a, a ginger to me. So a tinge of ginge. A tinge of ginge. So then the voiceover said, Watch Dairy Girls if you haven't. This, the hitchhiker, the guy in the boot. Yes. <laughs> I love that scene. So, so the voiceover, Brenda Strong, hero, says, Sometimes when you try to plant the seeds of love, you're actually digging your own grave. And then the camera pans away from the house's front door like we are bidding this family dynamic adieu and moving on to the next family and i expect to see the dragon the bearded dragon Mm -hmm. on the front stoop he's gone were there leaves blowing at the end interesting question i do not believe so would have been appropriate right like the dragon had just left no like leaf oh leaf (laughs) like it was okay that's it's a little on the nose, but... Except his name is not Leaf. It is Leaf. But, you know. I know what you're saying. Okay. But where was the dragon? Maybe because the murder was solved or the murder happened. Maybe the, the, the symbolic Patronus animal is only there when the murder is, has, is, has yet to happen or hasn't been solved yet. And once everyone is at peace, it moves on to its next murder case i'm thinking yeah it's more like it morphs into the next centipede or the whatever the salamander that it's supposed to be for the next right. one right so obviously the correct title for this would have been 12-sided die d-i brilliant that would have been the title well done let's take a quick let's just take a quick moment to understand 
the Dungeons and Dragons role-playing game is about storytelling in the world of swords and sorcery. Like games of make-believe, D&D is driven by imagination. It's about picturing a crumbling castle in a darkening forest and imagining how a fantasy adventurer might react to challenges that the scene presents. When you play D&D, you take on the role of an adventurer, of an adventurer, a skilled fighter, a devout cleric, a deadly rogue, or a spellcasting wizard. You create your character. Your character is a combination of game statistics, role-playing hooks, and your imagination. You choose a race such as human or halfling and a class such as fighter or wizard. You invent the personality, appearance, and backstory of your character. I'm in. Sounds I mean, you're in, right? Yeah, I'm totally in. With some friends and a little imagination, you strike out on grand quests and daring adventures, testing yourself against an array of challenges and bloodthirsty monsters. But I think I'm confused as if the challenges that prevent them present themselves, I think there's a handbook. Yes. But I also think that the leader or the players have some sort of creativity improv skills needed to use different weapons or create different scenarios that go along with the story the handbook is telling, I think. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Well, it makes me sweat a little. I like a script. Are you for real? That's why I host a podcast with no script. Oh, my goodness. No, we're doing I don't this. know if I have it seems like a game of mousetrap and you have to come up with the next thing like it like No, he no, the dungeon master Yeah, but if he he'll say like there's a giant snake, a basilisk coming to eat you, what do you do for ten points? And I'd say like I light him on fire with my specialty matchstick that yeah. Whatever. Here it is. Okay. I have to think of something. The dungeon master might describe the entrance to the Kragma Castle. The players decide what they want their adventurers to do. Will they boldly stride up to the fallen gate or try to sneak up in case anyone's watching through those arrow slits? Circle around the castle looking for another entrance or cast a spell to cloak themselves in invisibility? So you make decisions. And then I think does the leader get to decide if that decision work for you and assign you points or is the book does determines, the book tell you determines the results of the adventurer's actions and narrates what the characters experience so the leader the narrator has to be fair because the dungeon master can improvise to react to anything the players attempt dungeons and dragons is indefinitely flexible and each adventure can be exciting and unexpected So I can see certain groups of friends not wanting certain people to be the narrator. Let's say you're always, you're in a fight with somebody. You'd be like, no, that fire stick didn't work. But you'd tell somebody else, oh yeah, your um, aunt that grew to 50 sizes and ate my dude totally worked. Good job, bro. This is why we're having Jake play with us. Yeah, you need, you need a neutral party. He would be an excellent neutral party. Yeah. It's kind of like being a politician. You got to learn to play all sides. Coming to Patreon spring 2021. Be there. <laughs> Thank you, guys. We hope you enjoyed Double Date with Dateline. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Kimberly, for watching a million episodes and choosing the right one. Although these criminals, I I can't. Also, sad. Sad. Horrible. Leith sounded like a great guy. He did. And all he wanted was like to do these fun adventures with his stepson. And, like, build a relationship with him. He had no children of his own. It's awful. Mm -hmm. This kid's a monster. And I'm sad. I'm not happy he's out of prison. 
I'm sure there's more. Anyone knows where Chris is? No, so don't let us know if anyone. Chris we has changed his name. We want to know if he's name. in the area. No, stop. Chris is now Stefan, and he's living elsewhere. Good for him. Maybe in a different country. Good for him. Yeah, he's living in. I Chile. hope so. That makes me feel better because <laughs> I've been saying not nice things about him for the past two hours. It's, pro- it's probably for the best. Bye, everybody. bye, everybody. <laughs>